Welcome to Acquire, Tearsheet's marketing podcast. I'm your host, Tearsheet's head of studio, Rebecca Cohen. Today's guest is Nicole Bell, the CMO of FICO. FICO was founded way back in 1956, so it's one of the oldest standing firms in the financial industry, and today we're going to talk about how it manages to keep its relevance and purpose in today's world. Unlike most financial companies, FICO is truly a common household name, thanks to the FICO score. I think every American knows about FICO scores, and most of us are actually quite confused or potentially worried by our FICO scores. But FICO really invented the FICO score in the late 80s as a solution to a problem. Lenders did not know how to evaluate risk when choosing who to lend to. A credit score is simply a measure of a consumer's credit risk, and their worthiness in qualifying for financial lending products like mortgages or car loans, and today they're also used by landlords and insurance companies. They're based on a consumer's credit file, right? So specific inputs and outputs from your financial life that make up that three-digit number. FICO scores are just one type of credit score, but in fact, because they're used so often and they're so reliable, they've become synonymous with credit score and somewhat like the gold standard when it comes to credit. And we all pretty much know that. Um, but today there are various arguments against the credit system, right? In today's economic landscape, what was supposed to be a simple, straightforward three-digit number that helps make things make sense has become what some call an exclusionary tool that ends up leaving a lot of people that don't have those traditional input and output um, to make a good credit score behind closed doors on financial opportunities like buying a house or even just renting an apartment. So whether these arguments are true or not, the credit scoring system, the landing landscape that's around it, and the financial system at large have been changing, and they will continue to change. But FICO is not planning to stay behind. That's why I invited Nicole, FICO's CMO, to speak to us about how FICO has been doing things in the past few years in response to this changing world, especially during the pandemic, and specifically their recent marketing campaign, Score a Better Future, which puts forward credit education and free resources for consumers. Nicole's been the CMO of FICO since 2013, and I didn't know this before starting the Acquire podcast, but <laughs> apparently being CMO is a really hard job, and it has a quick turnaround. So serving in that role in a major company for nearly a decade is really an, an amazing accomplishment. And I was so excited that Nicole made the time to speak to me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's jump in. Thank you, Rebecca. Really excited and happy to be here. Uh, nice to be with you and uh, with your listeners today. Really happy to have you. Thank you for joining us and taking the time today. I invited you to this podcast to talk to our listeners about FICO and your recent campaign, Square a Better Future. But first, I really want to lay down the groundwork on FICO. We all know about FICO, but from a brand and communication perspective, what would you say are FICO's core tenants in 2022? FICO is all about driving financial inclusion. And if you look at the impact that we've had over the last 30 years of the FICO score, you can see the impact of that in financial inclusion across minority groups, especially from a U.S. perspective. You know, if you look at minority home ownership pre-FICO score, post-FICO score, you'll see how it's permeated. If you look at, you know, car ownership for minority groups pre-FICO score, post-FICO score, you can see how that's, you know, permeated through, uh, through the, uh, th those groups. Um, we believe that we have had a foundational and fundamental impact on making credit access uh, uh, much more fair and freer than it's ever been uh, in the past. And, and we're not done because even as we sit here today, you know, there are over 3 billion people worldwide that fall outside the credit mean mainstream. 
you know, they either don't have access to a credit, they don't have a bank account, they have very little data with credit bureaus and, and, and the like, um, and lenders skip over them or, you know, classify them as high risk. And the reality is that, you know, it shouldn't really be that way. And so we are committed as, a, as a, 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 an enterprise to drive financial inclusion, to uh, have the availability and equality of opportunities for people that don't necessarily have that today. Okay. And, and how do you actually put that to effect? Like, how are you using your size and your influence to make that difference? With financial inclusion being a core tenant to us, we have a number of initiatives and efforts in, way, in place to help drive that on a global basis. One of those uh, uh, ways is really around um, uh, education. It's about helping consumers understand how credit markets work, how financial markets work, and what goes into things like the FICO score, for example. You know, so. Um, so in that vein, um, or in that credit education space, we developed Score a Better Future as a means to reach out to consumers in local communities across the US to help drive and help them understand how do credit markets function, what is credit one-on-one, -on -one, and then have an opportunity to spend one-on-one -on -one time with not-for-profit counselors to really help them on a one-on-one -on -one basis understand their credit profiles, and then put a plan in place to make them better. And the goal here at the end of the day is to really help them build a more financially secure future, having a better understanding for how financial markets actually work, how access to credit works, and how they can improve their own credit uh, profile. I'm glad you brought this up right off the bat because the credit scores are, are really one of the most misunderstood parts of people's financial lives, myself included. The road to financial education, the path to financial wellness, it's a long one, it's a compli complicated one, and it's also deeply personal. And on that road, even for those of us who are like far along and have a solid understanding of the basic stuff, credit scores seem to be this like everlasting enigma. You know, like what is it? Why, why does it go up? Why does it go down? Like it's just this very elusive thing that has a lot of influence on our lives on the other end of it. So, um, it's seen as one of the major gatekeepers to financial wellness for people with low credit or people with no credit who are underserved by the credit system. And that's what's interesting about FICO's campaign. Um, as underserved consumers, you know, we could look at FICO scores as gatekeepers to financial inclusion and financial wellness. But instead of like playing into that role and saying, you know, it is what it is. This is a formula. You got to work with it. You're actually recognizing both the complexity of people's financial lives and the power and influence that you have, and, and you're choosing to, to take an active role in being the change and helping people understand the system and how to work within it. Um, so thank you for that. Um, you mentioned working with nonprofit financial counselors to deliver that education. Can you can you talk to us about that partnership and why you decided to deliver your message through a third party instead of, say, sending FICO reps themselves to educate communities? Absolutely. You know, we fundamentally believe that, uh, um, you know, first of all, you're right. Um, uh, it is misunderstood um, and it is, you know, thought of sometimes as a, a gatekeeper. The reality could not be further from that. You know, at the end of the day, um, the FICO score really uh, is a means uh, for, um, for those who provide credit um, to have a a free and fair mechanism to um, and an unbiased mechanism 
to determine um, uh, how to provide safe access to credit. That's really what it is, you know? So in, in the old days, you would walk into a bank branch and you would meet with somebody and they would look at you and they would judge the interaction with you to determine whether you were gonna be creditworthy or not. And the reality is creditworthiness has nothing to do with, you know, how old you are, what your education is, what the you know, color of your skin is, uh, whether you're male or female. It really doesn't have any of those things. What it really does and what the, foundation for the FICO score is based on is your ability to, um, you know, repay uh, credit that you might have taken in the past, you know, so it is really a calculation of a propensity to be able to repay on uh, a credit or debt that you might have acquired. Um, and so we've, you know, we believe that uh, it is important for us to uh, help people understand um, how credit markets work, how access to credit works, um, how responsible uh, credit uh, uh, works, um, what goes into the FICO score, how to understand that a little bit better. Um, and we realized that, you know, this is an effort that's much larger than just we are. Uh, and so it makes sense for us to partner with uh, external uh, uh, folks out there to help do this. And we've partnered with hundreds of uh, you know, local and national partner organizations, including uh, you know, folks like uh, Operation Hope, um, you know, whose mission, frankly, is to expand you know, economic opportunity, uh, making free enterprise work for everyone. I mean, that is an incredible mission and it fits perfectly with you know, our core tenants of what we stand for as well. And so they were a natural fit for us and a great partner for us uh, you know, to, to work with, to help, uh, in this endeavor. You know, not often we hear about like financial companies partnering with nonprofit organizations. So it's kind of refreshing, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I think it's like fintechs where sometimes it makes a whole lot more sense to partner with a niche expert, um, to build a multi-layer product instead of building every single tier on your own, except in the mission of financial literacy, right? The partners actually look like community-based nonprofits. Um, so how did you actually go about your collaboration with them? We started off in uh, 2018 with this effort, and our goal and objective at that point in time was to do hyper-local events. And so we've been to, you know, 25 plus cities. Uh, we've had, you know, uh, many more than that events at this point. Um, we have brought in local elected officials, national elected officials to come in and participate and partner with us. We've had, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of consumers that have actually attended and participated uh, in these sessions uh, with us. Um, and, you know, the results have been fantastic. Um, not only has attendance been off the charts, but when we've surveyed and, and did research on those attendees post that, you know, vast majority of them, 85% plus of them have said that it was an incredibly valuable experience for them. It really helped them understand how credit functions and has helped them uh, put a plan in place to build a more secure financial future. So you're saying in-person events, but I'm just thinking back on the pandemic and how that completely changed everything for everybody. Did that stop you from what you were doing? 
the pandemic taught us a lot. We had to change track once that occurred. Um, and we're getting ready now for, a, you know, hopefully post-pandemic world where we're going to take the best of those hyper-local um, events that we did uh, and we started off with and the, you know, uh, the, the virtual events that we did during the pandemic that allowed us to reach a much broader audience, taking the best of both and launching out here with uh, uh, a post-pandemic uh, structure that uh, allows us to reach even more consumers and to bring in even more partners. And so, you know, folks like the National Consumers League, the National National Urban League, uh, the Consumer uh, Action Group, the National Committee of Real Estate Brokers, um, you know, National Association of Women Business Owners, you know, et cetera. So it's really given us an opportunity to bring in a broader group of people, to bring an even broader uh, consortium here uh, to help attack this and, and to help solve this problem where, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, there are still people that don't have access to credit and, and we'd love for them to be able to do that. So it sounds like the pandemic definitely phased you to some degree and you kind of had to change tracks and rethink things, but it also sounds like you're coming out stronger, right? Did you face any other maybe less obvious challenges when you were embarking on this mission? Sure. Um, it, you know, when we started this exercise, um, we were hopeful um, that uh, it would gain traction and we would be able to um, to make a difference. Um, and we very quickly realized that we had underestimated the demand for this uh, and, uh, and, and the need uh, for something like this. Um, and so when we first started with these hyper-local uh, sessions, uh, you know, we would um, partner with a local organization, we would reach out to local elected officials, we would reach out to local um, uh, you know, press, um, uh, and um, and uh, and actually even you know uh, national elected officials and we were hopeful that they would want to partner with us and participate and we were just incredibly overwhelmed maybe that's not even the right word but um, we were overjoyed with the um, response that we received from them, where they were incredibly happy that somebody was willing to come into their, uh, into their local communities um, and help run something like that. And so we quickly realized that, you know, we needed to increase the size of the venues uh, that we were going to be in, um, uh, that we needed to bring in more counselors, uh, not-for-profit counselors that, that uh, I talked about earlier than, than we had initially thought about. We realized that, um, hey, we're going to have this, you know, it should be in the in after work hours uh, so that, uh, you know, uh, 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 some of these folks who were working during the day would have an opportunity to come and attend. Um, that, uh, you know, there was a whole bunch of, of mothers that, that would come, but they didn't have um, uh, uh, childcare. And so, you know, we needed to add childcare in our centers so that, uh, uh, you know, these, these mothers could leave their kids with a responsible person while they went in and, and uh, you know, attended the Credit 101 and then had their one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, and so we learned a lot uh, through that process, and it really allowed us to, um, uh, you know, continue to get better uh, and uh, continue to uh, evolve our program and our capabilities. Um, and then the pandemic hit, and we had to uh, change tack, and, and we did, and we moved these to virtual, um, and we found that we were able to reach an even broader audience uh, with, with the virtual. Um, and do the same, where we could do the broad sessions and then do virtual uh, or Zoom-based one-on-one uh, counseling sessions, you know, with these with these uh, not-for-profit counselors, um, and, um, and 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 then we realized that 
you know, instead of it being just local market driven, we could go find these affinity groups, for example, and help the, uh, 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 you know, bring uh, or partner with an affinity group like uh, National Mortgage Association or the National Association um, of Women Business Owners and have them reach out to their constituents and have their constituents actually come in and participate. Um, we also realized that, uh, you know, we could use uh, more digital means to reach a broader uh, set of folks. And so we started to build a more prevalent social uh, profile. We started to build a more uh, prevalent uh, digital uh, profile to reach some of these consumers um, so that they knew about these uh, offerings and the fact that we were running these, these sessions. And now as we come out of a post-pandemic world, you know, we know that, uh, that we can do both. Um, and I'm sure we have a lot more to learn uh, and uh, and and I and I'm sure that um, uh, you know uh, we're going to continue to evolve the program uh, uh, to reach more people. Uh, and I'm really really excited about the curriculum that we're building as well. So you reach consumers where they are by partnering with the national and the local groups around America. I'm wondering, did you find any interesting differences across the United States when it comes to credit awareness, financial education? like the willingness to learn, the ability to learn, have you found any like geographic differences that are notable to you? You know, there are certainly salient features from market to market. Uh, and in terms of, you know, the, the the challenges that they're dealing with could be somewhat different. But I'll, I'll tell you what, what we have found where maybe it's not differences, but where there are similarities. Um, it is remarkable, um, you know, we are in uh, the largest economy in the world, in the U.S., uh, we are in, uh, you know, the the richest economy in the world, um, and, and and at the same time, it is remarkable um, how there is still a lack of understanding in how financial markets even function, um, and 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 you know, to some extent, um, I think we've all. Uh, uh, We've all sort of learned through osmosis almost, you know, uh, through uh, having exposure, through dialogue with people, through, you know, a, 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 a much more of a, a happenstance way about how a lot of this works. And, and the realization we've come to um, is that we cannot rely on osmosis uh, really to, to drive this uh, forward, that there has to be a deterministic way and means in which we can help uh, uh, the populace, the, 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 the consumer population, really understand how the financial system actually works. I mean, even if I just look at my own home and I look at my own kids, you know, I have a teenage daughter um, and you would assume that you know, even in my own household, that she would have a much better understanding of uh, how financial markets work, how access to credit actually works, and how credit markets work. The reality is, she doesn't. You know, um, and and so I should not be leaving it to osmosis to help her understand that. You know, I have to actually take the time to explain it to her. And if in my own home that is the case, then why should we assume that that's not happening? You know, that's not the case in every home across the US, for example. And so it's really leading us um, uh, to, um, you know, build out this curriculum that I was talking about. And so, you know, we are actively working on having a, a module-based curriculum um, that, uh, you know, we can provide to um, high schools and colleges uh, and online um, uh, education uh, environments um, so that they can, in a much more deterministic way, start to uh, teach, frankly, 
um, how financial markets work, how credit markets work, how access to credit works, how do you maintain a good credit profile, what are your responsibilities when you take credit, um, what does repayment actually mean, what is good credit versus bad credit, um, how do you evaluate some of these things, um, and so you know we're really really excited about this uh, module-based curriculum for middle and high schoolers uh, to teach them the fundamentals of credit management. Um, we're in a pilot mode right now with a handful of schools, um, and we're working with partners to prepare for a broader launch uh, to bring uh, you know credit literacy to teachers and administrators across the U.S. That's really sacred work, I think, in today's world. I think I, I think that anecdote with your daughter is really powerful. Um, and in fact, I hear that from other financial professionals who are talking about financial literacy every day at work, but then seeing their kids not understanding the basic fundamentals of personal finance, let alone credit. So I think financial education is, is truly this really complex animal that has to be broken down intentionally. It's not just something we're going to observe, um, absorb. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but again, FICO is one of the oldest institutions in the space, founded the, like 66 years ago. And that's incredible in a world where fintechs are just popping up left and right. I'm talking to companies that were founded like two, three years ago, and they have these big plans. And you yourself, Nikhil, you've been working at FICO since 2013. That's almost a decade. Um, so in the age of great resignation, uh, and specifically in the role of CMO, that's like such a milestone. And and I just want to hear from you uh, about your time at FICO, like how the marketing and brand strategy have changed. Has it changed? What does it mean to keep a 66-year-old brand alive and relevant in today's changing financial landscape? Um, fantastic question, Rebecca. You know, I, I, I love uh, a word you used just a short time ago, which was uh, sacred. Um, it is such an important word. And we take that word and, and what it means incredibly seriously. It means a lot to us. Um, we have a sense of responsibility based off of that. And, um, and it is core to our mission and built into our value structures and into our core tenants as a, as a company and as uh, employees uh, and people. And it is because of this incredible mission that we have, the responsibility that comes with that mission, which we take very seriously, um, and, um, and the incredible work that we, uh, that we do, that we have done, and that we plan to do, um, that uh, makes FICO such an incredible place to be. And why I have been here and why, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, my, my fellow uh, uh, peers uh, and why the FICO family really is here. Um, you use the words, the great resignation. Um, I will tell you that, uh, you know, we are not seeing the same kind of flight uh, that a lot of other companies are seeing. Um, and I do think that a large reason for that or a big reason for that is that we are very mission driven. Uh, and uh, and we are we believe in this higher goal and higher purpose uh, as a company. Um, and, uh, and, and yes, uh, we have had, you know, the FICO score has been around for 30 years. Uh, it has had a prof profound impact on financial markets, uh, on consumers and, and their ability to get access to credit. And we're nowhere close to being done. Um, and we find that we are even more relevant in today's world than we've ever been. 
um, you know, we help to create uh, the traditional uh, banking uh, and financial services infrastructure that exists with all the traditional banks, and all of them are our customers. And our fastest growing customers today are the fintechs. Um, you know, all the fintechs that you hear of out there that are making a noise in the marketplace, um, and many of them talking about building the next FICO score, they also happen to be some of our largest customers and some of our fastest growing customers. And so we know and we see today on a, on a real-time basis that uh, the products and solutions that we are bringing to market, um, that we have in market, are having a profound impact on their ability to succeed and to build uh, um, uh, their businesses and to build this new infrastructure for tomorrow's financial services marketplace. Um, and we are incredibly excited to participate in building that just as we uh, uh, built, built the last one. So I'm glad you pointed to this, all these fintechs talking about building the next credit score, um, because I've spoken to a number of companies that are promising that, and they're pointing to you know, leveraging alternative data in order to reinvent what it means to build credit. And in their rhetoric, they're criticizing the traditional credit score as like this thing of the past. Meanwhile, some of these are actually FICO clients, right? <laughs> and you're supporting their growth and their mission, like you said. So I'm wondering, how do you see the credit score being situated in tomorrow's financial industry? You know, the, the FICO score has proved over a period of time to be the single best um, way to measure uh, and um, uh, to determine the uh, propensity to repay uh, uh, credit. Um, and uh, it continues to be, you know, the best means to be able to do that. Now, one of the beauties of the of the time that we live in um, is that um, um, you know there is access to a tremendous amount of data, uh, and there is access to um, uh, uh, very sophisticated analytic capabilities. And what we're finding um, uh, that works really well um, is that uh, a lot of uh, companies and a lot of these fintechs uh, and traditional uh, banks, and by the way, this is not new, it's been here for uh, a long period of time, is that folks are um, augmenting the FICO score with additional data and additional models to uh, make the, the signals um, even better than they used to. Wow. It sounds like there's really an evergreen nature to the FICO score. And I'm really excited to see how such a traditional thing morphs and changes to fit the new needs of consumers and the financial arena in the future. I definitely learned a lot from my conversation with you, Nikhil, and I really hope our listeners too learned a thing or two about the importance of a longstanding institution not only not being scared of change, but embracing it and supporting it full force. So thank you so much for joining us on the Acquire podcast. To read the transcript of this conversation, you can head on over to the Tearsheet website and to stay tuned for upcoming episodes of the Acquire podcast with me, be sure to subscribe to our marketing newsletter and follow Tearsheet on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about the Acquire podcast, you can write them to me at Rebecca at Tearsheet.co. I was your host, Rebecca Cohen. Until next time.